Welcome to Gaia's Consciousness Podcast, expanding your mind and spirit. Learn even more at Gaia.com. Watch interviews, movies, and original series created to empower the evolution of consciousness. For more information, visit GaiaPodcast.com. Your journey begins here. Cynthia Sue Larson is back with us to charm us with stories of parallel realities, the Mandela Effect, which is among the most fascinating topics in the world for me personally. Just as titillating is Cynthia's own life story. After we finish being dazzled, we're going to look at the mechanics of what is actually occurring in the Mandela Effect. Thank you so much for coming back, Cynthia. This I just can't get enough of this because I'm trying to get my mind around it. Really, get, and to me, I have to see how it mechanically works yes you know it has to make sense it doesn't matter if it's quantum you can still see it in your mind's eye if you can understand it right right exactly okay so first of all um, I want to go to we didn't do this before oh. I want to go into your childhood a little bit because we know you you know Berkeley mm -hmm. loads of you know letters after your name this amazing human being academically mm -hmm who has, for the last 20 years, involved yourself in the study of parallel realities or the Mandela Effect, right? Right. So, a different kind of person would do that than your normal, you know, graduate, right? Right. Uh, with high degrees from Berkeley. So, let's go back to when you were a little kid, because I, w I was watching one of your pieces and I thought, I didn't really know this about you. I didn't know any of the details, just that you were different. but. This one really got me. When you were five years old, you envisioned reality as kind of a web of consciousness. That's not a normal five-year-old perception of life. Right. This is much deeper. It, was, it comes from, I guess you could call it an awareness of who I am intrinsically that was with me. I didn't lose it when I came into this life. So you're right. It absolutely makes me different from most people, just seeing that we are so interconnected, that this is uh, tied in with my purpose my passion for um, being part of uplifting this web of consciousness. Because it came, this vision came to me just like a knowingness, like this is what I'm here to do. This is, uh, remember, I have a purpose here. Because I was having some doubts about why I was here. At five? Yes. At I was five. just trying to score cupcakes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I felt like I was noticing people would, um, they'd have one thing that they're saying, that they're expressing with their, their minds and their voice. They'd have something else in their heart, and then there yet something else going on in their subconscious. And it you could big, see all those levels? Yes, I could feel it. It the felt like It felt very jarring, very um, jagged energy. Um, not everybody, but a lot of people. It was the norm. Everywhere I looked, that was considered normal. So um, I felt like I remembered the, the peace, the love, the joy, the reverence. Um, before I was born, and, and because I remembered that, it made me what you might call um, sort of a flight risk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I remember how good it was. Do you remember your birth itself? And Not whether clearly, you had no. Any, or even right after, whether you had some second thoughts? No, it's not so much that. Mm. I felt, I felt, I think it, I don't really remember that. And I just remember yeah. good feelings. I had yeah. a good family. So I'm yeah. not saying anything bad about my parents. Yeah, no, just life it's on just earth. Life on earth. Yeah. That has, was traumatic feeling for me. And by the, it took me many years to feel like, well, I don't have to stay here. I could go back to that feeling of heaven, that feeling of paradise where we all know that we're connected. We, we, we remember it. We remember how much we love everybody. Yes. How much we love everything. 
And so that's our essence. Our it core. is our essence. And you just came in living your essence right. and remembering your essence yes. and not separating out from it. Yes. And that's called being born awake, basically. Right. I mean, that's very different than what people call being woke, which right. is political. That's a different thing. Political correctness. No, that's, that's that very has different. nothing to do with being awake. No. <laughs> yeah. And I love, I love this. Okay. So I have a couple things written down now. One of the things, and we'll go before all the kundalini awakenings and all that sort of thing. Yes. When you were a little kid, you would, you would look out the window at the rain, yes. right? And you just play with your thoughts yeah. and the rain would play with you. Right. So I could, I could think stop rain and it would instantly stop and think start rain and it would start and it was going back. I was just playing with it like you play with your blocks or a toy <laughs> and I thought this is so much fun and I wanted to share it with my mom. Like when you build a tower of blocks, and right. like, hey, look at this. So I ran to, to where she was and, and I, I, I could see as I started to explain uh, what I w had in mind, that sort of a shutdown reaction. Like, oh dear. <laughs> uh -huh. But it's a typical reaction when a child says, watch this, I can start and stop Were the you rain. able to stop and start it for her? No, yes. not with her. Yeah. And that was... Because of her, the negativity. Not negativity, it's not... the lack of belief. Yes. Yes. Exactly. And at that point, I didn't, I was just a child and I didn't right. understand any of it. It was oh. an awareness of it matters who you're sharing these things with. So then I recognized, let's, let's not mention the other things I'm seeing energy-wise I would bring them up occasionally, especially to my mom, who was the most open besides my grandmother in my family. But otherwise, I realized these topics are not for polite society. <laughs> what kind of other things were you seeing as a little child? Oh, dark, scuttly things, because I, I grew up in a house that was not um, spiritual, per se. Mm -hmm. My dad was an atheist. My mm -hmm. mom was an agnostic. Mm -hmm. And so I would have nightmares from these scuttly things. When I would fall asleep, they'd try to pull me down. I'd start flying and they'd try to pull me down. What do you think they were? That's a good question. <laughs> you could think of it as little, thought forms, little, discarnate little entities. Yeah. To me, forms. it's just like house yeah. dust or things yeah. that you don't want in your house. Right. So when you do energy clearing, it's like vacuuming and scrubbing. But you want to do that for your house. You want to keep your home clear. Do you actually do that quite a bit? Absolutely. You clear your space quite yes. a bit? Yes. I always forget and then I'll notice things and kind of see where they are and think, oh my God, I haven't done that in ages. So that's, that for all of us, that's a, just a good practice. It's a good practice. Even if space. they can't, if you think I don't see anything, but you might feel it. You might oh yeah, feel yeah. Like, yeah. Well, so how do you do your clearing, by the way? We're, we're going tangential for just right. a moment. Something everybody can do is I do something super simple. I mm -hmm. take a t glass of tap water and just mm -hmm. a little teaspoon of salt mm -hmm. and then just change it every couple of days. Uh -huh. That's what you need if you're feeling like every I can't even do anything. Right. Like things are bad and it's so bad I don't even know how to do my regular practice. And the salt water will draw the, it does. the negative energy it creates, toward it? Or? Yep, it's like it's a crystal and a tractor yeah. for all yeah. that stuff. Uh -huh. and then just dump it down the drain, replace it every couple days. So that's easy, simple. Interesting. Can the entities not resist the salt or Pretty, what is it? It, it, it creates, it, it just gives A me some breathing that, space. Yeah, yeah, it does. So then you can, then you can um, kind of get your bearings and get back on track with whatever your spiritual practice is. Interesting, because we is. know that salt is cleansing it it, is. even in the human body. Right. Okay, so th did you ever play with the rain, uh, for example, to the extent it's like you wanted to go out and do something, it was raining. Did you ever make it stop for your own use or just where you were only playing with it? I pretty much only played with yeah. it. Yeah, because I actually think that there's some bigger picture than what yeah. I think might be best. Right. I like to, that's why I like to ask how good can it get for all of us, for the best for all concerned. I know that if I focus on myself, that's going to be very short-sighted. 
And so I try. I, so you know that there's a purpose for the rain to be there, even yes. at a, as a little girl. Don't try to stop it. Right. It's supposed right, to right, be right. there. Yeah. The other thing you would do is help quote jumpstart, <laughs> as your family's old Chevy, yes. um, or a television that had gone on the fritz. Let's talk about that for a little bit. Right. So this is now. I was keeping things kind of under wraps to myself, but I noticed that I could feel love for something like our car. And my dad, uh, who was an atheist, he'd be trying to, he's an engineer, civil engineer. So he's thinking very left brain, very analytical. The starter's not working. And then he'd start doing what dads do and getting a little grumbly and saying things that maybe should be better not said. <laughs> but when it starts getting like that, then I would realize I can just feel my love for this car and I can hear the sound of it starting and feel the purr of the engine. And so I just feel in alignment, you, I could do this, just that state of pure, pureness of intention, yeah. heart, just all of me intending this. And it would start and it would, I do that. Then once it started working so smoothly, I would do this regularly. <laughs> I think that, I mean, it's just so sweet because it was your actual innocence and sweetness and goodness of heart that was permeating the material world. Right. Now, what's that tell us? It was love. You just simply right. permeated the field with love right. that changed the material conditions of whatever it was. Absolutely, yes. So what's that? What's the big message there? <laughs> That's the big reveal. It's huge. It is. Because I think a lot of us get caught up in what it seems like it is. The situation may may seem bad, like this car, the starter's going out, we should get it replaced. or we're stuck, or whatever these um, thought patterns might be. But we don't need to go there. But it does require that perfect alignment for someone to be able to pull this off. It does, mm -hmm. and that's a hard one, because that means letting go of belief systems, um, the yes. way of material, the material world around us, our our scientific materialism, you even have to kind of let go of that. Yes. Um, and, and you know, I had a mentor in life, Madame Bovy, wild Russian woman who beat it at the revolution on foot, got to France, wow. became a ballerina. She, When she was elderly, she was my ballet teacher. And we became very close. And she had this old, old, <laughs> Oldsmobile. I mean old. <laughs> and uh, she, that's what she did. She loved her car so much. Her car was named Pandora because she was always full of surprises. <laughs> and she would say, baby, come on, Pandora. You must start for me today. And she would just pat it and love it. Boom. She'd turn over <laughs> when she hadn't turned over previously. So I used to watch her do that. So yes. when I was re watching the film about you, right. I mean, I've had some experience with one other person. It's very, very rare that we can that we can let go of everything that we have learned to be true on the material realm. I think it helps that I came in with that awareness, that I am absolutely. consciousness. I think I had a jump start there. Oh, I, yeah, I think you absolutely did. And it was interesting, as you went through life, you ended up you know, getting your degrees in physics, right. um, which is the perfect kind of way station for someone who wants to jump between the material and non-material in an academic sense, right? Yes, it's perfect, absolutely perfect. And I wanted to study consciousness, but there was no program in that at UC Berkeley at the time. So I took as many psychology classes as I could. Right. And then, of course, quantum physics was right. my favorite thing. Right, right. <laughs> Absolutely, because that's where all this stuff plays out. Yes. So let's go back to your childhood a bit. Uh, your parents, you traveled quite a bit. Um, yes. Family traveled. They traveled to exotic places. There was a headboard. Is it, was it a headboard or a piece of furniture of some kind? Yeah, coffee table. Coffee table that they were And a writing desk. Back. Yes. yes, okay. <laughs> and so you remembered 
that they made a deal with the person that was that had made it for them, right? Right. Or had made it that I they saw were them send promising. A picture. Yes, Let's I was talk there. About this. Okay. Was this your first real kind of awareness of, even if you didn't know what it was, but right. experience of the Mandela effect? Or, Mandela effect. I think that possibly was the first one where I could see that uh, consciousness was changing in groups of people. That that uh, the physical history of events could so be tell quite us what different. Happened. So what happened is uh, we were traveling to Kashmir, and there was a place that we stayed, very beautiful place called Dal Lake, and there were houseboats that we we rented one. We were staying and visiting the various craftsmen that are there with um, beautiful wood carvings carpets, that kind of thing, uh, where they hand stitch everything. But for the furniture that my parents wanted to bring back to the house that we were building, um, they, it would have to be shipped in pieces. And so it would take a while. It was going to take maybe weeks, months for it to get to back to the United States. I heard my parents telling the woodcarvers, um, this is such beautiful furniture. We're building a new house designed around it. And the woodcarvers were amazed. Really? Designed around our furniture? And they said, yes, because we're designing it now, so it's going to be perfect. And um, I remember they said, my parents said, we will take pictures and send them to you. And so this took quite a while. The whole construction of the house, the shipment of yeah. the furniture, putting it in. And quite a while later, there it is in place. And I kept waiting for the pictures. I thought, this will be fun. Are they going to bring in lights? And do we have a photographer? Um, and it, it, nothing was happening. And at some point, I asked my parents, um, what about the photographs? The, and they said, what photographs? Of the furniture, the coffee tables, the, the writing desk in the library that we built designed around these furniture pieces. What about sending them to the woodcarvers? You promised that you'd do this. And they said, we didn't say anything like that. And I believe my parents. I believed that they were telling they were me the rational. truth. They were rational. Yes, they would not lie to me. Right. I know they would not lie to me. So then that was a very moment of dis cognitive dissonance where yeah. they are correct. They said, we never promised that. But you heard it. But I heard it. And where would that idea have come from? How could I have gotten such an idea? Where would that have? People don't normally do that. I'm a child, a teenager, but still. Yeah. Why would I come up with something like that? Well, this is this. So this begins the disconcerting, yeah. you know, part of your journey. Right. So um, then another thing, 197. I'm ready. I wrote all. I took notes because <laughs> I wanted to get to all these things. 1977, a radio song came on. Yes. And and they said, and basically, this is brand new. Right. Playing for the first time. A and brand like, new song. And I was so sick of that song. I thought, oh my gosh, not that song. I wish I remembered now what it was. Yeah. But I was so upset about the whole experience. Because you'd heard it so many times so, already. You know when you get radio burnout yeah. on a song? Like, not this again. <laughs> Can we please stop playing this? And why would they say that? So do I you just thought it was so odd. Do you think that it was a, a parallel timeline or reality? Or was it that you might have been actually hearing into it while they were creating it? You were hearing it through the ethers. Now, this is different because I do hear songs yeah. before they come out. That's a okay. different experience. So tell us the difference in this. For me, the difference is when I hear a song, it's kind of in the background. Then, yeah. then I start craving, actually. It's like when you're thinking about a favorite food in a place you travel yes. to. And you're craving it. Yeah. That's the difference. And, and then when it finally comes on, like, yay. Um, whereas um, if you're actually hearing it, to the point like, oh, let's change the channel. Yeah, I'm I, sick I of it. I've heard this too much. Talk about overplay. And then they have the nerve to say, this is the first time we're playing it. Yeah, <laughs> the nerve. <laughs> that way, the nerve of them. Okay. <laughs> and I'd ask my friends, Are you so, have you heard this too? And they didn't know what I was talking about. My sister didn't know. My best friend didn't know. So that was also interesting. Very similar to the furniture experience. 
So I'm experiencing a reality that other people are not. Mm. But I know that I'm not making it up, and I believe the radio announcer because they were so thrilled. It's our first time to play this wonderful song. Right. I wish you remembered what it was, I do too, too, but, but oh, I was that's so okay. annoyed. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, so then shortly after that, you met your future self. One right. day. I did. Okay, let's talk. Now, that, that's a lot of people would want to dial into this. Yeah. So it's kind of an experience where time is not linear, and you can see that um, something else is going on. I had been dozing off, so I was in a sort of a hypnagogic state mm -hmm. right between waking and sleeping, mm -hmm. and I saw a woman who looked just like me but older, maybe about the age I am now, walking, sort of floating out of my... Um, mirror closet doors that filled, it was across a whole wall. She sort of walked right out of the mirrors, sort of float walked, like she wasn't totally there, uh, thinking thoughts to me, like, hello, and I'm startled, like, what are you doing here? And she sort of float walked over to my roll top desk, and she's very soothing, saying, I'm just here to, um, to just talk with you for a little bit. I can't remember exactly what she said, but I'm talking out loud to her. I'm about 16 years old, and she pulls out the drawer of my roll-top desk, takes something, closes it, and then she floats away. And it, the whole thing was quite strange. Do you know what she took? I did the next day because I went to check that drawer. Like, what was that? And those were some letters from my boyfriend who'd written to me. And they were gone. But I thought, she couldn't have taken them. That's, that's, that's crazy. And so I accused my sister, you know. <laughs> of course. She's convenient. Yes. Makes sense. <laughs> it had to be her. And she was indignant, like, no, I did not do that. So I thought, wow, maybe that really happened. Um, and right after she had the, my future self came and got the letters and left, my father um, knocked on the door and came in, like, is everything okay? I heard you talking. Are you, like, everything's fine. And I didn't realize, I'd been, I mean, the whole thing was so weird. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I didn't know what to say. Like, something strange just happened. But how do you explain that? How do you explain it? And why did she take letters from I don't from know. Your boyfriend? Maybe to show that time is not linear, that we... That she could reintroduce them later or something? Yeah, maybe so. I still haven't seen them, but I still saved the piece of furniture, the roll-top desk. So yeah. if the letters do show up, that'll be interesting. <sighs> okay, let me just, before we go on, because I want to go on to your, uh, the, the cat named Ashes. Yes. And go, because that starts bringing, blipping in and out of timelines, life and death. But the hypnagogic state you're talking about that we slip into... Right. On a personal level, I'm just noticing more and more how uh, visceral and, and crazy that is in that, um, in my case, I'm, I barely close my eyes, but I'm fully, I'm not asleep, I'm fully somewhere else. I'm with people somewhere, somewhere in the world, maybe listening in on a conversation of other people at a dining table. I'm kind of all over the place, but I'm there. This is not crazy stuff. Yes. before I go to sleep. So in that kind of situation, if, assuming other people are experiencing this too, what do you think is going on there? That's a good question, and I don't know. Because it almost the... never has anything to do with me. I'm just in other people's lives. I just blip into their reality. Right. I, well, part of what I suspect might be going on, I don't know for sure, but mm -hmm. it feels like that web of consciousness that mm -hmm. I saw where we are connected with one another. So... When you're starting to fall asleep, then you return to that awareness. Mm -hmm. um, like when you're between lives, then you can think of someone and they're right with you. Yeah. And, you, and we can do that when we're right between waking and sleeping. Yes. And I think that I wanted to bring it up because everybody goes through that state of awareness and maybe to just start 
pay. I didn't pay attention to it for a long time. And then what happened is I, my husband was talking to me as I was starting to drift off. And I started talking to him like he was one of the people I was with. And he thought, where are you? And started asking questions. And so I started paying more close. Because I had him there, I started paying more attention to just how vastly, how quick and vastly different those realities were, yes. are. Yes. And so anyway, so we all need to just pay attention when we're crossing over because yes. there are clues in there. Big clues sometimes, sometimes small clues, but mm -hmm. there's no such thing as noise. Yes, okay, and, and it's not just crazy stuff, no. firings, random firings of the brain. Let's go to your cat, Ashes. Yes, okay, that's an interesting experience. My roommate that I'd been living with for many years on Cedar Street in Berkeley, because mm -hmm. um, I was living there during my college days. She had a cat that she brought back from San Diego in the car with car with no air conditioning. So that cat had been a kitten and grown up with me, and I'd seen the cat for years. And then I moved across the street um, to another apartment, just across the street on Cedar Street. And the cat, it was close enough so the cat could actually come and visit. And I don't know if it was because I was there or he just always visited that house. You know, cats like to wander if they're outdoor cats. Um, so I was having so many good times with the ashes in the garden. And then one day I heard the news uh, from my roommate, Catherine. I was talking with her and she said bad news about ashes. He was hit by a car and he passed away. And I was devastated because I, you know, when you have such a good bond with an, an animal, you, they feel like family. Yeah. He felt like family to me. Mm -hmm. So I was very um, sad about it, grief-stricken, actually. But I felt like I just wish I had more time. I remember thinking that, feeling it, fully feeling yeah. it, like I needed more time with him. I really felt that way. And I just let it go. I didn't really obsess about it. I didn't um, dwell in the grief. I was able to release it just like, well, phooey. <laughs> yeah. He's gone. So I was accepting that he's gone, but also feeling like I really wish I could have had more time. And then within a day or two of that, Ashes was in my garden, and I could not believe it. And it's like, he's back? Wow. And he looked a little <laughs> bit a little bit bedraggled, kind of, you know, when cats don't wash properly. Yeah. Like, man, Ashes, you're letting it all go downhill. <laughs> Pull yourself together. But I, was, but I didn't feel that way. I felt mostly gratitude, like, you're here. I, I love you so much. So of course I hugged him and held him and he probably didn't know, what's the big fuss? He seemed to look at me like, what's this all about? Well, did anyone else see him? I asked, um, I think I was married at the time and I asked my husband, I asked other people, um, does this, do you remember something different about this? And people did not really remember what I remembered, that he'd so died. They so, didn't, they didn't remember that he had ever died? No. They so, just thought there's ashes, he's just looking a little, right. you know, raggedy. So here again, I'm feeling like I'm kind of on the outskirts of reality, yeah. experiencing something that other people don't think is so unusual. But I know for sure ashes had died, so. We, we, there's, I, there are so many of these things, and right. I love these stories, and I think I, I want people to hear your stories so that, A, people don't think they're crazy if this happens to them. Absolutely. And also to see what's possible and what's actually playing out on our planet right now. Yes. Among some people or even many people. And then we're going to get to the nuts and bolts of it. Gaia.com lets you explore over 8,000 films, documentaries, and original series. There's so much going on in the unseen world. Hidden truth. Why in the media today? They still seem to hold back on these incredible stories. Behind an unknown universe. Where science and spirituality all come together. Gaia.com. 
content you can't find anywhere else. For more information, visit GaiaPodcast.com. Um, another one, uh, you a program um, that you had gone to see, um, there was someone that was supposed to speak, as I recall, at a conference you went to, and you went because you wanted to see this person speak. You right. were so excited. I was. And you got there, and they weren't even on the menu. Right. <laughs> they well, they were, were not, but then they weren't. Then they it weren't. Was, it was even weirder than yeah. that. Yes. So we were staying um, just outside of London, this cute little hotel. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm looking at the program to see All who excited. the speakers are. Yes. And then here's someone mentioned from the company Ove Arup, mm-hmm. O-V-E-A-R-U-P. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful ar- architectural and engineering design company. I thought, wow, they're here? This is a really cool. Mm-hmm. But then um, at the break, I just checked the, I wanted, you know, when you check to see yeah. what time will he what be time? on? Yeah. And he was gone, not just from my program, but then because it was the break, I could surreptitiously go around and like, does this just happen to my program? Mm-hmm. It was kind of a crazy thing, but I thought, let me check her program and his program. And he was gone from all the programs across the board. And I asked my husband, did you see this person on the, the program? And he did. So oh, thank started, God, because otherwise, by this point, you might start oh, thinking, am I nuts? Right. It helps to have someone else agree. I remember that also. Did you have a lot of times when you didn't have that agreement or other witnesses? Did you think maybe it's just me? You know, I was, I, um, no, I, I, I still felt like uh, it's not just me. I know what I saw. I, I trusted myself. Yeah. Uh, I think, again, it, it helps to have remembered from childhood yes. that I am pure consciousness. Yes, absolutely. And I'm a little bit different. Yeah. <laughs> so like, so the, okay. okay. Yes. Now, another thing that's very interesting is you were witnessed by locating. Right. on a couple of occasions. Those are cool. Yeah, and let's talk about that. Okay. So on one occasion, I was um, just on a cold morning. I needed to wake my daughters up. At that point, I was divorced, so I was just in charge of waking up my girls every morning. And there was a huge, heavy um, window screen, the window shade that was too heavy for them to move. So the normal procedure is, and I'm daydreaming it. I wake up, but I'm thinking, I don't want to get out of bed. It's too cold. Yeah. I'll just stay here a moment. But then there's part of me that's rehearsing. Like I'm just getting, I'm pretending like I'm going to get out of bed, walk down thinking the Thinking about what you're I'm going to do next. about it. I'm flipping on the light. Good morning, girls. I pull open the, the window shade. Time to get up, rise and shine or whatever. And I'm, so I'm just thinking all that. And then I hear sort of voices down the hall and then a little pitter-patter of my girls running to my room. Like, Mommy, they're calling my name. Where are you? Mom? And like, I'm in here. What are you, you guys are up? And they said, yes, you know, what are you doing back in bed? And I said, what do you mean back in bed? I, like, you saw me already? They said, yes, you were up. And then I walked to their room and I saw the light was on. I'd opened their window. Someone had opened their window shade. It wasn't them. No one else was in the house. So... And someone else saw you walking down a street when yes. you were somewhere else. Yes. I was at a book <laughs> event, and it was a beautiful day. And so I'm kind of looking out the window thinking, I wish I was out there. <laughs> I've been here for hours. <laughs> I want so to be outside. For you, you just think it, and part of you manifests there. Right. So for me, daydreaming could very well mean that I'm bilocating. Right. And some people have teleported with the same kind of um, thing, where you need it that much. So you're inside one minute and then literally somewhere else. I haven't done that yet, but who knows? It's just the next step from bilocation. Right. Uh, it's, I mean, obviously, most people are stopping, probably pausing. Let me think about this for a second, but <laughs> we're going to continue on. Okay. okay, so this goes on and on where you walk past a place where 
you've known it for years and years to be this way, and then you walk past it, and it's structured differently, and there's a big thing, like in this one case at Berkeley Marina, a big sundial there. It's like, where'd that come from? Right. And everyone says, well, that's, that's always been here. Right. I was walking with my two friends who also thought it was unusual because all three of us remembered we had previously walked right through the courtyard. Mm -hmm. And in fact, we had an unobstructed view previously of another sculpture that was there. And now, here it is, this huge 20-foot-tall concrete sculpture. That doesn't just with come a in overnight. Yeah. No, it said it had been there since 1970-something. <laughs> the harbor master, I phoned the harbor master, and he said it's been there for years. It's this gift from a sister city in Japan. So clearly things can change in just yeah. a moment. It looked like they've been there for decades. Yes. And it, is, it starts getting really disconcerting. Like, what is reality? You know? Right. I mean, you flow with it because you know these things are malleable. Right. Most people start thinking they're insane right. or that something's wrong. You know, this is very disconcerting for the vast majority of humanity. So now we go into uh, the, the whole notion of Nelson Mandela and his death. That's really where this whole thing got its name. It started out on the Art Bell show. Yes. Just explain it so we have an identity of why it's called the Mandela Effect. Okay. Well, um, Clearly, Nelson Mandela has died now. Everybody knows that. But there was a time period, I think, or currently. Was he? <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> well, I think currently he is yes. dead. <laughs> so yes. So that was uh, he died in I think 2013. Mm -hmm. And the surprising thing for a lot of people is, after um, he'd passed away, people remembered. I thought he died way before this, like and back in the in 80s, prison. Or, yeah. when he was still in in jail mm -hmm. on Robbins Island, mm -hmm. and so. And th this became a topic mm -hmm. that Art Bell was getting mm -hmm. flooded with calls, faxes, mm -hmm. telegrams, everything. So he mentioned it in April 2001 on his radio show. And, and then a, a while, it took a while for these things to kind of bubble up through consciousness, but I think Fiona Broom then kind of captured the zeitgeist of the times right. by about 2010 yeah. and then said, this is a Mandela effect because there are enough of us that remember that there was a different history. That he history. had died while in prison. That he did die yeah. while in prison. And in 2010, he was still alive. So at that point, it was like, he's alive, he's not dead. And that creates the idea that there are alternate realities. Lots of people can remember them. And it can be a shared community experience where we all collectively, in large groups, remember a completely different series of events. Okay, now... We we talked a little bit in the past about this and showed some of the imagery of some of the kind of common ones from our childhood, for example. Yes. Um, the Berenstein, Berenstain Bears, Jif versus Jiffy Peanut Butter, and, and some of the others. And you and uh, when I was watching your presentation, um, uh, you were talking about some of those and added a few new ones. And, and one of them popped in, and I thought, oh, no, come on, because I thought I could check this out on the web, right? And you said that the name of Oscar Wilde's book, A Portrait of Dorian Gray, had been changed. Yes. That's one for those of us that like literature, mm -hmm. because we do remember The Portrait of Dorian Gray. And now it's only ever always been a picture of Dorian Gray. Yeah, so. Right, and I thought, well, surely we could look into this and see where it changed, what happened. And right. so I just thought, no, I'm just going to, because I'd looked at the others and I remembered virtually all of the other ex examples you had used yes. the way you remembered them yes. and the way the vast majority of people remembered them. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, this is odd. No, it, 
that can't be. And so I, I just picked this one up and thought I'd run with it. So I went online, and an interesting thing occurred. I wrote Portrait of Dorian Gray yes, in the search bar. And a page popped up with one listing after another, one link after another, under a portrait or the portrait of Dorian Gray. <laughs> and I thought, see, it's right there. And I thought, That's so I wonder cool. what she was talking about. It's right there. So, and I clicked on one of them, went to a page, and then it popped up a picture of Dorian Gray. I thought, okay, now th this is what Cynthia was talking about, but let me go back to that previous page. Hit the back button. All those had shifted over right. to a picture. Anything I, I couldn't force with the search term, I could not force it back up to ever get a page with all those Portrait of Dorian Gray links. Right, right. This is one of the most convincing experiences. It's called, um, in the vernacular, a flip-flop. <laughs> so it's like you see one thing and then it changes to another. And you know you can trust yourself that you saw that. Oh, yeah. You yeah. know for sure. Even though there's no proof, you can't convince somebody. Oh, I saw it there. That's why but I you clicked saw it. on it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I thought, <laughs> see, there are a whole bunch of them. <laughs> well, ultimately, I just kept poking around. And finally, I said to Zeus, check it out. He's a good researcher. He said, well, there's there's some mention of it in a French edition of something from back when. And the only thing I did find by way of reference was on Amazon. Right. I think there's one book that someone has come out with because so many of us remember the portrait. And it's called that. Gray. And yes. I, I didn't see the shadowed small writing across the top of the book. It just had the, you know, the, the portrait literally of Dorian right. Gray and the words Dorian Gray. But it's, and so mm -hmm. I thought it said a, a portrait of Dorian Gray. And in fact, I ordered the book and then I looked closer because it was so shadowy. It was too a picture oh. of Dorian Gray. Every single thing he found, like what you're talking about, 1945 editions, right. the name is now a picture of Dorian Gray. Right. And so I thought, God, you know, I, I try to get behind the nature of things yes. and how it works. And that's kind of what I want to talk to you about. Yes. What is happening in a very mechanical way, so to speak? Okay. Well, first of all, it, um, we're going to get into consciousness and quantum physics. Yeah. That's where the only explanations lie. And it's not a cheat to go there because actually we've known... That's as, where it's playing out. That is where it's playing out. And even Max Born said that there's no way that we can consider even the material solid things like this table as being anything other than probability waves because right. all of matter is energy. So... Where this is playing out, as I see it, is reflective cognition, which is an idea of the way that we pay attention. The way that we pay attention and the levels that we pay attention are everything. And if you look at the work of a philosopher named um, Gottf Gottfried Wilhelm <laughs> Leibniz, okay. tongue twister, but okay. I'll just call him Leibniz, yeah. he actually said that um, there are different levels of awareness. There's the first level of awareness, and then there's a what you call the reflective level, where you're aware of being aware. That's really what we call consciousness. So, and when you when you t tap into that, that's where you can start witnessing these kinds of reality shifts. Whether it's starting a car that, where the starter doesn't work, or any of these examples that we've talked about. Well, you're you said you said this that we are not a single operator. We think we have one mind. We remember from one place. Right. But what you say is very true, because you bring in the notion we are a combination, a complex of conscious mind, subconscious mind, superconscious mind, soul. All these dimensions of mind are operating 
in a single moment, but we're only aware usually of one of those. Right. And so this is where the awareness, how you are paying attention makes the difference. When you, when you remember, oh, I am all of this. So it's, it's just the difference between thinking, like a little child might be saying, I want a cookie, I want an ice cream. Right. But then when you tap into your, the fullness of your being, you're, you're in a different place, state of mind entirely. Yes. So let's, get, let's go back to Dorian Gray. Right. How does that collective memory, you have a collective memory and now a, a changed material reality. What happened? What happens there? Okay, well, um, what I look at again, I go back, of course, to quantum physics because there you can see the way things are working, not just on the quantum scale, but on all scales. So uh, quantum physics is the universal set. This mm -hmm. is our true reality. And within the realm of quantum physics, we know we are entangled with others, like that web of consciousness is entangled. So all of those of us who are sharing intentions um, maybe to see how good it can get, to desire to see an improvement of consciousness on the planet. You know, we're connected. We're very much connected. And those of us who have those intentions are definitely at this time observing huge changes in physical reality. Absolutely. I guess the question would be, there had to be a mind somewhere, right? an intention or a consensus that for some reason a portrait of Dorian Gray was maybe outmoded, outdated, that maybe the word picture would serve better. I'm saying, you see what I'm saying? Yes. Where in there did something spin into motion or was something placed into motion that then could go and change our quantum physical reality? Exactly. Well, this is a question that came up at our Mandela Effect conference that happened. The first one was in... Idaho, and we had talks, many of the speakers talked about how can you can look deeper to find the message in such a shift. Right. So then you could ask the question, what is it about the change, like you suggested, from a portrait to, to a, a picture? picture? And I think you're right. There is much more awareness now of what a picture is, because we have cameras, we work with pictures, we don't typically get a portrait done of someone. Right, with the a portraits paintbrush. are of the past. Some people for still the most paint part, them. But for the most part, yes. that's the thing of the past where PICS, PIC, PIX, you know, PICS, yes. all of that. Everyone knows what a picture is. So somehow in the zeitgeist of our modern consciousness, it's we relate accurate. to the word picture. We do. And so our kind of relational mind impressed a new physical reality on that. Right. So you could consider it closer to truth, and that's what a lot of these Mandela effects, if you look deep enough, you can start seeing, oh, that is deep, closer to truth. That is a revelation of truth. And so I think I th that that's the part that I think always kind of got me, is what would drive that. There has to be an intention, and there has to be a thought form to allow anything to magnetize toward it, to, you know, shift physical reality. Right. Okay, so what to you are some of the more kind of fascinating examples when you're looking at this collective resonance that's changing physical reality? Mm -hmm. There are so many good ones. Yeah, I... share them. <laughs> because, no, it's fascinating because you, you explained it very simply and very eloquently. Right. And now we can start inserting ourselves into understanding where we are 
how we're participating in this too. We're absolutely participating. Yeah, because so. right now we're just disconcerted right. and like, what happened? What just happened to me? <laughs> it's like it's like we don't know we're steering this thing. Exactly. It's kind of like like who did that? And a lot of finger pointing goes on. But then well, it, then you get into conspiracy theory and right. everything else. And we don't need to go there. Yeah, because clearly we are doing this, and that's why it's starting with these little gentle shifts. So at, at the conference, we had an artist who brought a series of images, and she had one, um, they would be from different examples, like there was the, the movie Field of Dreams. Mm -hmm. And you remember the line in that movie, if you build it, build it they will come. They will come. Mm -hmm. And now it's never been that. It's just, if you build it, um, he will come. No, it was they will I remember it as I they know. will come. I remember that too. Who's he? Well, that's the question. Like, oh. what does that mean? Right. And um, how is that a deeper truth? Right, <laughs> than they. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that's interesting. But then you can take it to a spiritual level. Spiritual level, level yeah. I can feel like, well, there's a oneness coming together. Yes. There's more of a we. There's more of that cosmic consciousness. If you believe in Christ, you could say the Christ consciousness. Mm -hmm. um, so whichever approach is meaningful right. for you, but you can find that. And I think that's really cool. And then she had a fun one with the Jiffy peanut butter. Yeah. And um, it just... That one, I, I, I was debating someone over that one. <laughs> Oh, really? Yeah. Because now it's only been Jif. Yeah. yeah, no, it was Jiffy peanut butter. I remember that too. Yeah. But you can ask, how is Jif closer to truth? Like, how is that closer to truth? What's, okay, so what's that should be our first question. Yeah. It's a, it's a way to look for the goodness, the, the soul, the spirit of um, what is this? And how is it closer to a revelation of a deeper truth? Back in a Jif? Yes. Applies quickly. Jif is fast. quickly. Jif yes. is fast. You That's know? Right. It's right. a fast little treat. Okay. Exactly. Okay, Jif. So what for you personally mm -hmm. in your life of all these things happening and that you've witnessed, not right. just these ones that we know of that we can see graphically, right. have been some of the most profound in terms of getting to that big question? Oh, boy. Um, well, it's hard to just pick one or two. I've had just so many. Just pick whichever one's fly into your mind right now. Uh, well, last night, I just, just took the last 24 hours, I, I met a friend because um, I don't see her often, but I'm in Boulder, and we were talking about heaven on earth. And um, I, I said, well, this is, it was such a great conversation. So I thought, let's take a picture together. I moved my chair, and then suddenly, out of nowhere, a rose appeared. A little beautiful, real rose, not plastic, real with a gentle fragrance, and it's just this beautiful coral pink. It's so cute. And I said, where did this come from? <laughs> but we've been talking about heaven on earth. So I so think... So this is a very refined... The rose is very refined. Its scent is yes. among the most refined in our physical domain. Yes. So the beauty of heaven yes. showed itself as a rose. How beautiful. So that just happened. <laughs> but for me, it's like every day. So, but uh, these are... I, I think the everyday ones matter, and that's yes. like something out of nowhere. Like, But people get these, and often they... They'll dismiss it. They'll say, well, that couldn't have been a rose from nowhere and start doubting yourself. <laughs> yeah. But I think these things do happen to everyone. Well, and also different outcomes. There was one, one point in there. It reminded me, people being teleported to safety. Yes. Okay, so I remember, well, I kind of don't remember, I was drowning in the Truckee River, right? Oh, wow. And I was, I knew I was drowning. I yes. was trapped under a mossy log and I couldn't get any traction. And I could see, you know, I could see, it looked like uh, the, the water, the surface was only a foot or foot and a half above me, but I was trapped and couldn't move under this log. It's terrifying. And I thought, yeah. to die when there's the daylight, there's the air. And I just thought, what a shame. And then everything blacked out. And then 
I don't know what happened. You could say because I blacked out, my body went limp and or something. But the point is, I was way down when I came back to, way down river. And wow. I thought, where am I? What happened? You know, I should have drowned. I've been underwater this whole time. Right. And I popped up and, and um, my partner at the time was freaked out, had run down the river, was looking for my body and oh everything. Oh, my gosh. But I've often wondered what actually happened there. You know, that and other people have had these experiences. Absolutely. And a lot of people, I think one of the most secret confessions that people often make to me after I've given a talk and I've discussed how sometimes people will be facing an oncoming vehicle. There's yeah. no way out of it. No way out. No way out. It's an 18-wheeler, narrow road, nowhere to go. And then there's sort of a blip. And then the next thing they know, they've gone through each other. They're on the other side of each other. The truck is behind. Yeah. They've somehow, like, um, in the movies, it almost looks like kind of a wormhole or something. Yes. Yeah. But this actually happens. Yes. I've, I've given a talk to maybe 80 or 100 people, and then 10% of them will come to me afterwards and privately confess, this has happened to me. Uh, you know, I don't want to tell people. I've asked, do you ever tell people? And they say, no. People would think I'm crazy. They would say, this isn't real. But if you look at quantum physics, we can see quantum tunneling. Yes. And quantum teleportation are very real. And increasingly, we're moving bigger and bigger objects um, through at, because people are seeking quantum computing and the technology of it. So we're proving that a lot of this larger-scale activity can occur. It's no longer like garbage or silly or woo-woo. <laughs> right. Okay, well, I mean, there are several questions I can ask from there, but one of them is... Um, as we're moving toward what are considered artificial means of intelligence, AI. Yes. And we have all this power and magnetism collectively and individually to our own self-generated desires and love and thoughts. Yes. How, in your mind, does that spill over into or affect the development of AI? This is such an exciting time for AI because they have, they are reaching that point. They've gone through several levels of development. Where, yeah. And we, we're seeing some of it. We're seeing facial recognition and pattern recognition and now deep learning. So we've already hit phase, we're going into phase three of artificial intelligence. Right. In 2015, some robots passed the, the um, self-awareness test. They can actually tell that, um, that, that they're doing that reflective cognition trick of knowing yeah. that they're aware of awareness. So uh, I think the best way forward is to be aware that we can partner with this. We can keep envisioning a positive future. That's the key, is stay, uh, keep open-minded and keep asking how good can this get and really stay focused on that. Because humans otherwise... Because otherwise it's scary. Because we can people go, feel yes. that we're going to be somehow replaced and merged Right. With silicone and that's it. That's not necessary. I would yeah. not I don't see that as what I would like to do. No, I don't see that as what I'd <laughs> like to do either, but some I think people and and even certain certain groups of uh conspiracy uh theory right. are aligning around this notion that it's going to take over humanity and we will exist no more. I don't see that. There are some fundamental differences. Right. Just when you start looking at the notion of soul embodying flesh. Right. Now, what is that? That's a whole different opportunity. It is a different opportunity. 
And I think we could go to dark places. I think um, my, personally, I feel like I've checked out what that future could look like if yeah. AI ran the world, and that's not good. No, that's not good. I would good say let's let's not go there. Let's not give that any no. of our put more thought forms just, just and say, emotion into it. You can say no to it. We can all collectively say no to that, but yes, yes to a partnership with AI, with what it can do right. in service of our own growth and advancement with ethics, and developments with as integrity. a species with integrity. Yes. And so that's really the thought form to me, it seems, is most important. Yes. It's a, it, is grow, it is being developed. Right. How can we do it with ethics, with integrity, and so that it serves organic life? Yes. All, all of us. So it serves the best for all concerned. For all concerned. Yes. Yeah. Those um, are good questions, and that creates a guiding opportunity because the questions create the reality that we experience. Because at what point, I mean, if we are collectively creating these shifts in parallel realities, these parallel realities are creating um, shifts in our own perception and timelines and so forth, and and if artificial intelligence is developing self-awareness, at what point does that original thought come in and does the creation process start? Those are good questions. And again, you know? I, I can't really say. I think even right. the researchers, I've talked to some yeah. of them, they don't know. So it's um, we're in a very strange new world right now. <laughs> we are. So we're just putting that out there, that put that love yes. around it, yes. put that desire for ethics so we can work in partnership Absolutely. around it instead of just saying, no, you can't advance us uh, on this scientific level because technologically it is moving on. It's like cell phones are here. Cell phones are here, yeah, exactly, for good or for bad, but right? We, <laughs> ideally, we ideally. would use them and we wouldn't let them yes. run our lives. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So now let's, let's go back again to... to your thoughts on the most incredibly juicy, interesting frontier of the notion of these parallel realities. Well, I think the big news in 2019 had to do with um, recognizing that we don't have objective reality. There isn't just no one. No such thing. There's no such thing. This is a big idea. This is very big. And this is from the world of science. It is. There is no objective reality. Yes. It's like, <laughs> and that we're still trying to win arguments and debates with each other over what happened. Right. And now they're, it's being validated. There's no objective reality. That's right. And it, it's, it's, it could be scary for people. Could be freeing. It could be very freeing, yes. And so the idea came from the work at the University of Harriet Watt in Edinburgh and also University of Vienna, Austria. And what they did is they did a version of the double slit experiment, mm -hmm. which I think people have seen that. Strange. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then with two observers at that same place, same time, tr trusted observational devices that came up with two very different observations of the experiment at that same place and same time. So there we go. That's proof. That's the proof that we're talking about, that we are not living in objective reality where there's only one thing happening. Now, you, all this whole conversation has been about that. So we already know that, you and I. And now we're saying this is now becoming scientific fact. So then it gets back to what is our love, our joy, our passion, and our preference. Right. If we're not living in objective reality then how good can it get? Yes. And that's what you always say, which I love. I love that about you. How good can it get? Right. And that should be our question because we're not a slave to anyone else's perception of anything. Right. Even though we may have a shared common experience here today, for all we know, by the time this is edited, it won't be this at all. We, we just don't <laughs> know, right? Right. <laughs> so we can only, the best a human being can do is to intend for the very highest outcome and fuse, fuse it with love. 
with integrity. Fuel it with love. With that ethics and integrity. And those words are not used much. They used no, they're to not. be. Oh my God, I'm so, thank you, because that's really where I'm at on all of this. Yes. Is people are so confused. How do we know what's true? Because right now, you right. know, our country is in, in a bit of a tatters and people are fighting with each other and everyone's saying, yeah, but I just don't know what's true. I don't know who to believe. Right. Now, this is a really big moment in history. I don't know what to believe because there is misinformation, dis intentional disinformation right. as well that we're all trying to contend with and being bombarded with data. And literal different subjective realities. And different subjective realities. Which is a fact. <laughs> so in a situation like this, I mean, yeah. my feeling is you've got to find your way back to your heart and your own your own. Um, your own system of ethics. Right. And, and that has a kind of morality, not a preaching morality, no. but it has to do with what's generated from the heart in terms of what truly is beneficial versus not. And I think we know that on a deep level. We know that to live a good life, you can trust your heart, you can trust this, um, just doing things that are good right where you are, in your home, with your family, caring for others that, that are close to you, and just being a good person. And people, I think sometimes if you look at the news, you might feel like, what difference does it make? How can that change the world? Absolutely, it can and it does. Absolutely, I agree with you 100%. And while all the craziness is going on, I just keep saying to people and that I talk to people on all sides of all these issues. And I say, yeah, but if you just go back to, look at life through the lens of what feels like it's right to you, what, what's good, goodness. Yeah. Does this measure up? Right. If it doesn't measure up, there's your answer. And I know you're hearing all different stories about it, but if it, on a feeling level, isn't measuring up, that's your starting place to find truth again. Right. It starts here. And if it doesn't feel right, remember that you can change the way that you're paying attention. Exactly. You can just take a deep breath. Kind of, um, sometimes, something I'll do is just feel like, okay, these are probable realities around me. I'm just going to kind of roll it a bit. Like you're scrolling through your cell phone. Just kind of, I'm going to scroll through this. Oh, there we go. This feels much better. Yeah. I mean, and, and people could say, wow, what a, what an interesting person Cynthia is, and you are. Um, <clears throat> but also you practice what you know to be true because you came in still integrated. Right. Where most of us were disintegrated. And then I got enculturated or whatever right. with our society. But you didn't forget. So you actually know how these basic mechanics work from those higher extraordinary mm. levels. You actually know of what you speak. But this is something we can all do. We can, you know, yes. when you walk down the hall and you're trying to find something and it's almost like you went through a vortex or a portal mm -hmm. and you're like, what happened? And then you come back like, what was oh, I yeah. looking for? Yeah. Well, you can use that. You can use this experience of going down the hall and like, if you don't know what I mean about scrolling through, that's okay. Yeah. We all know what it feels like when you go yes. down the hall to get something and you can't quite remember what you were doing. Right. Play with that because that's perfect. Just imagine like whatever the situation is you want to change, I'm going to walk down the hall with it <laughs> and I'm going to come back and it's going to be a different reality. Yeah, and oftentimes it is and oftentimes the information blips right back in anyway. That's right. right? That changes. That's right. So I think, I mean, to me the beauty of conversing with you over this is not just, I mean, I, want, I wanted you to get to the mechanics mm -hmm. of it and that's really good. I'm right. glad we did that. But our participation and responsibility within it Every, everything we're seeing around us, whether it's by default or not, or whether it's by old programming and old beliefs, we're just seeing extensions and fragments of our own thoughts out there playing out and reflected back to us. That's right. And it's hard to see it sometimes because it's easy to fall back into, they did this to me or they did this to us. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
But so it starts with from inside. You're right. And it's and and to keep that love and enthusiasm. Yes. And that choice, yes. that choice toward a higher and the highest and the best outcome for all. Right. Because some people would say, oh, she's a dreamer, um, or you know, a, an idealist, and all these different things in a harsh, cold world that we're in today, where you got to be pragmatic and you have to do your deals with the devil sometimes. I say not. You do that. not have to do your deals with the Thank devil. Thank you. I love that about you. That's so. Well, I love that about you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think is why we get on well. But we do not have to do deals no. with the devil. No, you don't. You don't. You absolutely do not. I think that's the key when you recognize you can do your own thing like you did and you write about it in your wonderful book. I love that. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and thank goodness for Most that. Most people don't know I even wrote one, but it is. It's just oh, my experience of awesome. what it's like to go through and pick up on the opportunities life presents, even if they're awkward in the moment, even if they're uncomfortable. Right. If you just say yes to that voice, that goodness in yourself, right. amazing things <laughs> happen. And that's, that's right. why I wrote the book was just, just for fun, really. <laughs> But it's a perfect example yeah. of you can walk away from things if they feel like that's not right and you can feel that something better is mm -hmm. coming, even if you don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. That's often true. Like when you ask that question, how good can it get? Yeah. You, I find that I'll get things I needed that I didn't even they, know. No, that's the that thing, listening to that part. Yes. Listening to this multidimensional voice inside us. There's nothing wrong with the conscious mind to keep us from running out in front of a car. You know, right. We need every part of our mind to work together, but we can't have the more fundamental, dense part running the whole show. There is a greater consciousness. Yes. And we all have access to it. <laughs> we do indeed. It's been absolutely wonderful sitting with you. I just love being in oh. your presence. There's so much light there. And thank you for sharing this from a higher perspective of someone who didn't forget, who never disintegrated. Thank you so much. <laughs> You can find Cynthia's work, Reality Shifts, on Amazon and other booksellers. And keep an eye out for the Mandela Effect Society in the future. Until next time, thank you so much for joining us here on Open Minds. Thank you for listening to this episode of Gaia's Consciousness Podcast. Learn even more at Gaia.com and watch interviews, movies, and original series, all to empower the evolution of consciousness. For more information, visit GaiaPodcast.com. Gaia. Watch. Belong. Transform.